perhaps not for everyone, I'm sure not for everyone, but for me, like, I I think sometimes going to see art in a in a gallery it can almost have something like a little bit akin to like a religious experience. Like it's, you know, it can feel quite um, reverent. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art in the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S, and today's episode is the second part of a two-part conversation with the amazing Constance Regazzo. If you haven't heard the first part, please listen to last week's episode before continuing. Thank you very much. Water and its metaphorical meanings, such as the duality of rising and falling, play a large role in Constance's work. That's super interesting. And I think that actually, to me, that says a lot about kind of like the way in which we kind of see ourselves in terms of like, you know, like maybe a lot more women may be more comfortable with their bodies um, because it's something that that's kind of been imposed on them by society. That I think it opens up a, a really interesting discourse for the wider, wider kind of societal societal ways we look at men, men's bodies and women's bodies. And, you know, like obviously like people in between, for instance, you know, I think that's kind of opens up a really interesting discourse that, now's not the time to have i think that's something maybe that in the future your work might kind of pertain to or it might kind of uh inspire somebody to think about because kind of an interesting point like yeah and i wonder like had yeah like had things been different i don't think people may not have been maybe if the environment was different as well people wouldn't have been as willing or as kind of just like in the mood whereas in it's like yeah. if that's like a, what the cool thing about that though is that yeah, you actually took the opportunity and you actually now have something from the opportunity and you also have the memory like that's what's interesting so your work has now become about memory as well so that's very interesting my whole life is seized opportunities to take photos for art it literally permeates into everything I, I generally have my camera with me just in case I can kind of squeeze squeeze something in and that also is why you're going to be successful because you already have the preparation there but you're very conscious that yeah okay you're going to have fun but it's also a bit of work as well like you're going to get something out of it that you're going to be able to use in the future so it's like you didn't go there and be like, oh, I wasted this opportunity. I could have took images. You were like, cool, I'm going to go into images. What's having fun? And I think that's the idea of being prepared. I think that's what I think a lot of artists may potentially lack in terms of like, they're not always ready to observe around them to, to take the opportunities or take like the scenes they look at look at to create work. So I think, you know, that's um, honestly like fair play to you. We're like, well done for like fostering that because like that's off your own back, you know? And it serves you, you well because now you've got stuff to work with. You've got, you know, the, uh, the the exact thing you wanted as well. It's not just a, oh, we have to make do with random reference images from Pinterest. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like you've got stuff that feels original. Like the, the the original source material is original to you. Therefore, your work is now going to be original. You know? I, I Some people probably feel differently, but I feel like if you're going to consider yourself an artist and you're going to paint from photographs, you have to take them yourself or at least kind of set them up. Um, I know some people disagree with this, but um, I I think it's such a big part of the process. It it would be like, to, to me, it would just feel wrong. It would feel like I'm skipping a really important step. So I have a good artist friend called Riona Bethello, who I'm going to send you her work. And also I've got a question on this interview from her Um, because she's an incredibly awesome artist and she's super lovely. But one thing I said to her, I was like, the one way I feel like your work would improve is if you take your own photographs. Ah, 
because she doesn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, it's all above board. You know, you're sourcing materials from, you know, open, like open copyright places, stuff like that. That's nothing wrong with that. But in my opinion, particularly with her work and the way she does her work and the kind of atmosphere she creates, I feel like if you were to take a road trip in America and shoot your own original scenes, I think that would be absolutely perfect for you and your work. That's the way I feel like she could expand. I've had this conversation with her a few times. But um, that may not happen, may happen. We don't know. But for me, it's just like, I agree with you completely. I feel like if you want to create original work as a painter, you have to take original photographs. Your source material has to be original because otherwise it won't be original. It's, you know, and there's nothing wrong with sourcing image, like having, like nothing wrong with sourcing paintings from images. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But I don't know, for me, there's something about it that I'm a bit like, hmm, you know, like, Where's the imagination? Like, art's all about imagination. You know, kind of, you can paint anything in the world you want. There doesn't have, you know, surrealism doesn't have to be anything that, that exists. So why choose something that exists? No, I, I, I just, I think there's something, because your painting is going to be very dictated by your source photograph. It is, yeah. you know, to, like, to a varying extent, but it's going to, a lot of what's in there is going to carry through to your final painting. And I feel like if you didn't create that yourself, it's just, it's, I don't, you know, I don't want to be really critical as well. Oh, yeah, of course. But that, that's how I feel about it personally. Um, Next. You're just missing out on a big part of that kind of creative process. And also I think the problem with that is that you won't really know what it works about because it's not about anything specific. It's just recreated, you know, therefore when somebody says to you, oh, you know, so what are the themes in your work? You're a bit like, um, I'm not too sure because they're not themes you've thought about and sat down with and kind of actually considered. Um, you know, you, you apply the themes after, which isn't a bad idea, but I don't know. You can tell very quickly if somebody knows what their work's about or not by asking them a few questions. So, you know. <laughs> I this might actually nicely kind of segue into, I think, what's going to be the next next few questions. Yeah. But um, we said we're going to move on to thinking about like a like actual like creation process. Absolutely. So, that's perfect segue. Um, I actually, I find, I don't think of myself a lot of the time as being particularly creative when I'm painting. I think of it as, I know that sounds strange, but I think I'm, I, I think I have quite a structured way of working and a lot of it is quite, um, It's not formulaic, it's definitely not formulaic, but it, it's quite like, um, you know, you, you're almost like a craft, I suppose, is how I would think of it. You're, you're, but I think the kind of, the more, in a way, the more creative elements of it are actually when you're capturing those images and then just like editing those images, thinking about how you're going to crop them, what you want the finished painting to convey, selecting which ones you want to work from and, and all that part of it, to me, is where it's a bit more creative. Um, and it's going to have such a big, like, getting those photos and then deciding how you use them is going to have a big dictation on on what your finished painting looks like. Um, so for me, I feel like that's probably the more creative. I know it sounds strange, but that's what I would consider the more creative creative element of my process. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're right. It would be because once you have the source material there, you're going to paint it. The actual painting part of it is what you're going to do anyway. It's actually getting. The kind of imagery and the ideas before this is the pre-production stage of your work that is possibly the most that's very interesting way to think about it, actually because i'm right now i'm very very interested in pre-production of images because i think 
with Instagram, we just see the final image. We'd, ne- we'd never really actually ever see or think about how does somebody get to that image? Like how does somebody get from the initial idea or sketch to like this finalized painting in terms of like, where was their mind at? Where are their thoughts at? What is their external influences kind of to create this kind of type of work? I don't know. I'm really interested in the minute. I'm very fascinated by like how people get to creating work as opposed to what they've created. Um, so actually that leads nicely into the question, which would be like, do you have any particular routines that help you focus on your art? Oh, um, I think a lot of it is just really like nailing down that source material. I'm kind of, I guess, making quite an emotional connection with it. Um, so I, I have to feel interested and excited by the photos that I've taken. And then that is kind of, because painting is arduous. Um, you know, if you want to Absolutely. do it well, it, it, it requires a lot of like mental com- like concentration. Things go wrong and are frustrating. There's a lot of, I know this doesn't sound kind of sexy or romantic, but there's a lot of like, you know, cleaning brushes, mixing colours and like the kind of like the gritty side of it. Yeah. And, you know, like I, they do take me a long time to make these and I I often find, and it, it often works like this, I'll, um, you start making something and when you start making it, it has the potential to be perfect, whatever that means. Um, and you know, you you maybe get your first few hours in, and you're like, oh, it's going, it's gonna, it's gonna go exactly as I want it to go, and it's gonna convey onto this canvas exactly as I want it to go. And then you'll realise you've made some kind of mistake or something goes wrong with it, and and it knocks you back, and you kind of have to like step away from it for a little bit, and then get back into it, and then you kind of just knuckle down and get the rest of it done. And that a lot of my paintings kind of follow that kind of journey. You end up feeling really happy with them when they're done, but there's always that kind of a point midway through where it feels like something's gone wrong. And it's, you know, it's, it is a, it is a push to make the work. I mean, I, I speak to some people sometimes who are like, I just love painting. You know, I just, I just want to be doing it all day. I, I like it, but I really like the output. Um, I think there's other things like, you know, there are times when I'm like, I don't want to look at this thing anymore. You know, it's, it's like 70 hours in and I just want to go outside. Um, and you need yeah. to have something that's going to drive you through that to get it finished. And for me, it's that really, that initial like, excitement about the source material. Yeah, that's a really good point, though, because we don't think about it like it's a dedication of time. Such dedication of time. You know, it's just, and you have to motivate yourself for that whole period of time. And actually that feeds nicely into the next question. Um, well, the next two kind of questions are somewhat conjoined. So, like, I had two people I've spoken to previously, an artist called Ellis King and an artist called Mark Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, both incredible artists. And they were talking about the idea of creating art in a studio. And it's like, do you create art in a studio? Like, do you have your own studio space? So right now, I don't. I have a small spare room in a flat in Reading. And I can create work in that space. I have some bugbears about it. Um, and I can't, I probably can't go any bigger than I go right now in that space. Um, and I would like, I have a space that I can work in occasionally where I'm actually a bit free to kind of stand up and move around a a little bit more. And I do like the impact that that has on my work and potentially, I actually think it correlates quite nicely with there being some kind of broader, more gestural mark making. 
But for right now, the space I have serves its purpose. Down the line, I would love to have a, a proper art studio and, you know, maybe there'd be other artists there and, like, feed off a bit of that collaborative energy. It's definitely something I aspire to, but it's just, it's not a, not something that's perfectly viable right now. However, um, I am doing my first artist residency for the month of August. Oh, wow. Um, so I got accepted onto the... Um, a Puchko residency which is this artist residency in Canada and um, so I'll be there for a full month and I'll have a very large very well-lit studio with a massive very stable canvas and there's also going to be seven other really amazing artists there at the same time as me so I'm really excited to see what what that does because I think it will probably have some kind of impact on what I make. That's so interesting and that's so cool because the next question or the kind of thought that I was talking to both Ellis and Mark about is the idea of being lonely whilst creating work because you're by yourself, uh, can't, you know, a lot of hours painting away, trying to kind of put all your thoughts, emotions, and frustrations onto this canvas. So, like, is that something you ever experienced? Definitely. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, I, I find I, I have to, and sometimes you don't always want to, but I have to, um, make myself go out and do things that that um yeah to take me away from that and I end up painting better as a result um so I actually I try and go wild swimming once a week and I think that actually really assists like my productivity it's probably also great because I'm kind of literally putting myself in the environment that I'm then putting Mm. onto a canvas and you're swimming in a cold river um so that's great and um but yeah it, it, it is a challenge um I I'm um I live alone for half of the year at a time as well my my partner's in a kind of long distance oh wow, okay hole. um so I have two month stretches where it's it's it oh, is wow. just me and I I think just for like my mental health I do have to balance those kind of solitary periods with things that have more human interaction and the teaching's very good for that as well yeah, so that brings me along to actually, that actually leads very nicely onto the next question, which I didn't actually write down. I've just thought about it. And this idea of, I spoke to a really great photographer friend called I'm Surrounded By. I feel like these interviews, literally at this point, are just me telling people who I've spoken to and who I haven't spoken to. Um, but we talked about ages ago about introversion and extroversion and art and how, you know, a lot of people I speak to are introverts as artists and, you know, like, that may help or may hinder their work. Like, do you consider yourself an introvert, an extrovert, an ambivert? And how do you think it affects the way you create your work? I think I'm somewhere in the halfway halfway zone. Very strangely, we all had to take Myers-Briggs at my college. When I was oh, wow. 16. That's cool. I just got undetermined. They just couldn't <laughs> That's um, great. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure quite what ended up setting them on. But... Um, I, I feel like it, it varies um, and I'm probably quite inconsistent with it. I think sometimes I just want to be alone and get on with things. Um, and I think sometimes the the idea of sort of going out and socialising with people is a little bit um, not intimidating, but um, feels like it's going to require a lot of effort. But then I actually generally do actually feel energised when I actually spend time with people. So, yeah, that's probably where I fit on that. That's cool, because I'm just kind of curious, like, if people are, like, shooting themselves in studios for stretches of time, 
but they're actually really extroverted people. Like, does that affect their work? Does that actually affect kind of like the, you know, because I think you kind of have to be extroverted to market your work, but you have to be introverted to create it. I think that's kind of the interesting kind of parallel between artists and everybody else. Like that you have to have certain times where you're either one or the other, because, you know, you're, the way, you're going to be out with friends all the time or you'll be by yourself all the time. And either of those aren't going to work very well. Yeah, I am. Um, I had a I had a joke with um actually with a few people about this, but they we sort of say that if I've if I've been just in my studio for a few days, I'm just very socially awkward when I then have to like, uh-huh. like go and interact with people, and I have almost like a like a warm up period where I kind of ease back into it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it, it is something that I actually have to not all the time, but sometimes I actually have to like like prepare for that and like yeah. anticipate that that's you know how things are going to be so I'm doing my um I'm doing my first big art fair at um the end of this month um which is in London and it's four days and I think they're anticipating about 8,000 attendees so you're going to have lots of people wanting to talk to you yes and I'm just gonna I, I feel like I'm gonna need to like take some time just to prepare for that so I can be on good form for it and you're right, you know, that is, that's probably another important thing about being artists, you know, um, yeah, balancing those two kind of conflicting needs, I suppose. Yeah, I think also like talking about your work and practicing talking about your work and knowing what you actually want to say about your work, because I think it's very easy to be behind a screen and be a person online. But if you're have your art, particularly the art fair, it's a great experience from my opinion. I've been a few times now and it's, a, it's always been a great experience and artists are so lovely, but it's kind of like, it's daunting if you don't talk to people about your work often because people are going to be asking you and they're going to be judging your work and they're going to be right in front of you. And it's going to be like, you know, you have to learn how to take that as an artist because that's your reality with gallery shows. So it's slightly one of the reasons why I was like, oh, this would be a very good opportunity. I just have to talk about the work for an extended period of time. I think personally, people are going to absolutely love your work. I think they're going to be very impressed with it. I think I might actually, I might actually attend it myself. I'd love to see your work in the flesh, actually. So I think I might, I might attend. I don't know yet. I'm not too sure. Um, but I think it'd be really cool to see your work in the flesh. So it, I think it'd be really good for you personally. I think it's only going to do good things for you at the end of the day. Um, I I know people will be impressed with your work like very easily. So it's going to be cool. So yes. So springboarding off the other art fair and the idea of like exhibiting your work, like is there an optimal environment in which you'd like to exhibit your work? So strangely, um, I mentioned that I started entering uh, competitions and things uh, during the year of lockdown. Uh, so all my first exhibitions were all entirely virtual. Oh, wow. um, and I don't think that's the optimum uh, way to exhibit artworks at all, really. Um, I know, you know, people are talking about doing new, exciting things with it, but I, I just, I do like art being seen in the flesh um so I'm probably in a sense like anything that's actually in person just on the back of that actually feels excellent and I'm probably quite grateful for anything that's actually physical but in the future perhaps I will become more more particular um I mean my my very first um like showing something physically was in the Bristol um in Bristol at the RWA annual show in 2020 yes um 
And, you know, my, my I had this big need to buy me painting that actually did sell. But it is, you know, it's quite packed. They have quite a lot of work in that space. Um, which maybe can be almost a little bit, um, a bit intense, perhaps. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I do understand why there's so much work in there because they, you know, they want to show a lot of people. Yeah, that's a good point. Because um, like the other art professions is going to be a lot of artists there. You don't realise how much art is there until you go there and you're like, this is a lot. Um, so that's yeah. kind of interesting. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, are there any other kind of artists you'd like to exhibit with? Oh, my gosh. Um, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I, um, I show with a very small, like, a small gallery in Chelsea and they had one of my paintings on a wall and next to it they had a, a Bill Bates painting and um they were someone that I'd studied in college and it wow. was it was like that for me was just like whoa like this is really cool um so that was very satisfying for you know a very specific possibly slightly egotistical reason but I'd really like the chance to do like an artist run exhibition at some point in the future and, you know, actually have some control of, you know, how you want to like lay things out, kind of mapping some kind of like viewer journey, I suppose. I, I haven't had much experience with curation, really. Um, yeah, like hardly any at all, really. But it's definitely something that I, I probably think about quite a lot and I'm quite interested in. I went to the... Um, all to human exhibition at Tate Britain a few years ago and I just I thought about curation a lot in that and how it felt like you know they were really kind of taking viewers through something very specific and intentioned and I do think like that's a fantastic way to engage with art it's, it's very aspirational for me right now you know having like a big you know big gallery space like that but I can see why that's really yeah like really interesting and I perhaps not for I'm sure not for everyone but for me like I I think sometimes going to see art in a in a gallery it can almost have something like a little bit akin to like a religious experience like yeah. it's you know it can feel quite um reverent you know it's it's quiet sometimes it's echoey you're very you leave feeling very inspired by what you've seen and like that's how I that's definitely what I take away from some exhibitions that I've been to see. And I do, you know, I really enjoy all that, that kind of packaging of it. Um, you know, but there are, there are different ways. I mean, I, I went to a gallery in um, Spain, you know, and they, they were playing music. Some of the walls were bright red. It was ve that was very different. And that was really interesting too. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm quite open to different ways of presenting art. I think there's, there's, you can have quite different approaches that can be really equally impactful. Yeah, because sometimes the way the work is presented is just as important as the work itself. Because, you know, as the artist, you have your own kind of idea and thoughts and opinions and how you would like people to see your work. And I think sometimes with the galleries, the white wall gallery space is, is kind of a bit bland. You know, it's kind of like we're kind of all a bit past that in terms of like there are interesting and exciting ways to present your work other than just one image on a wall. I mean... In my opinion, but then again, it also does work and it does serve its own purpose. So I guess we'll have to see what the future holds. I mean, I think artists run 
shows are a great idea. I think that's something that I think would be really interesting to run at some point. That'd be really interesting. That's like a future, future, future plans. That'd be cool. Um, but I just had the idea of kind of like giving a bit more control to the artists in terms of like what they're doing. I think that's really important because I think sometimes when you get into the gallery setting and the whole, you know, um, exhibiting work through a gallery, you know, you give a bit of yourself up for that. You know, there's a that's a sacrifice you have to make. Yes. So it's, I, I'm, you know, for me, it's very much serving the purpose and it's a very like reasonable working relationship. But yeah. the, the gallery that I mentioned, and, you know, probably a lot of, a lot of galleries, is very much just set up to make the work as commercially attractive as possible. Mm. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there are there are probably pros and cons to that, that yeah. setup. I think, yeah, the commercialization of art, I think is a very interesting topic because I feel like in the last five years with the digital revolution and the internet being the way it is, I feel like we've seen a huge shift at least, wait, let me say, I personally seen a huge shift in the way that artists and art, art and artists are being defined because I think so many artists nowadays have a YouTube channel, for instance. So many artists are doing everything other than actually creating art continuously. They seem to be, you know, you know okay, so this is going to slide into social media, which is perfect. But like, I guess a question to ask you off this, to start us off, I guess, with that, to connect with two sections would be like, what is the difference between an artist and a content creator in today's society? Gosh. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, actually, I feel like I should have prepared an answer for that one. Because um, you could argue that a lot of what is made by a content creator, I'm sure some people could argue to some extent is art or has some kind of artistic merit. Um, For me, I I would go back to that that idea about I hate that I'm using this word. There must be a better way of explaining this, but that kind of obsession with subject that I think yeah. you need to have as artists. I think a lot of what gets created, you know, as a product of like today's like internet culture is quite um, a degree of depth, perhaps not not always, probably not always across yeah. the board. Um, and then interesting, you're, you're getting art made about that very topic. Um, yeah. the, the exhibition that I mentioned that I went to recently by someone called Mitch Griffith, Griffith, his subject is all about that kind of like throwaway internet culture and our like voracious appetites as consumers of it. Um, so yeah, I suppose that all kind of, it comes kind of close, close loop in a way. Yeah, the reason I ask that question and actually I realized after I didn't actually put that on the notes and I realized after that's a question I should have put on the notes because that's a question that requires some thought before you answer um I didn't realize I didn't put on the notes and I was like oh wait I didn't think I actually put these on the notes but the reason I asked is because you know as I said earlier like we see we've like I've seen like a shift in the way artists have been defined and it feels like a lot of people I speak to feel the pressure to have to create content as opposed to create art um and a lot of artists I speak to who have asked that question too have said they so the difference is and i think it's a, it's a valid point i think so they say the difference between an artist and a content creator is that so artists create content from the art not art for content so i think that's the kind of distinction that a lot of artists i know make um, which is a very good distinction i think but i think also we live in a society now where there is not really the, the lines between the two quote-unquote jobs are being very much blurred and it's, it's it's quite a it's quite a problem really i think because you know the whole internet culture and social media society is is really kind of ravaged the arts. I think in a way, it's kind of kind of tore things apart in terms of like the traditional 
sense of being an artist? I mean, there is a, um, I definitely feel a, a pressure to create content for social media because it's, it's the majority of my sales have actually come through my Instagram channel, which is relatively modest. Um, but, you know, I, I, as good news as that is, it definitely means there's a big drive to create content that's going to perform well on that platform. And, you know, some of that is about art, but some of it's, it's, it's not always. Um, it, yeah, it does take away, you know, it takes away from you painting. And sometimes, you know, you're, you're not um, really feeling like being like, you're sharing quite personal things on a very public platform. And sometimes that does feel intrusive and you don't really feel like doing it. So there's, yeah, there's an interesting kind of tension there, I suppose. Yes, so that is actually a question later on we're going to ask you now, but it's uh, an interesting conversation I actually had with a good artist friend of mine called Brian Dean House. I mention it every single interview because I always ask this question in every single interview. Um, and this idea of like, which is more important? Is the skill of the, of the artist more important or is the personality of the artist more important? Uh, I think I would like for it to be more about skill than yeah. it is, but... I think a lot of people really do think it's about the personality and I think perhaps maybe even more so because my work is a little bit nebulous as to what it's actually about people like to see some kind of that that human element about it and that's what allows them to make more of an emotional connection to it um so yeah no I, I think I think personality does play a really really big role I suppose yeah because I think everyone's interested in knowing who the artist behind the work is because there's a very specific reason you create the work you create and we all kind of want to know that so I think you know but then again at the same time as you said like maybe you don't want to share that because you might not be comfortable sharing yourself on social media it's a it's a really interesting topic that I'm really interested in discussing with artists just because I think it kind of serves us to remember that you know just because we might feel awkward doing it, like like posting ourselves on social media or like talking to the camera, for instance, you know, just because we might feel really awkward doing that, like it would actually be beneficial. To, it could be very, it could be very beneficial to you um, because you know people get you know it's like it's the way I, the way I kind of say is like ask yourself what you like to see in other artists and then emulate that. If a lot of artists you follow like to sit down and have a story time about their latest painting or you know talk about what inspires their latest painting, you know then do that because if that's what you're interested in, people are going to be interested in the same way with you to learn about you in that way, in my opinion. Um, that's what I can say about that. <laughs> um, but, okay, so continuing with the whole kind of social media online theme, like, do, so do you think that your work translates well online? I would say moderately so. Um, I, a little part of me kind of, flinches inwardly at the fact that these you know meter by meter paintings that have hours and hours of meticulous you know carefully crafted minute detail are being compressed down into something that can put on a phone screen yeah but you know people like seeing them on phone screens um <laughs> um so that you know they're not they're not terrible on that medium I think you definitely can appreciate them you know at, at a small scale I just I like it when it can be done in person as well um yeah. and you know it 
we are quite lucky in the sense that it is, although it's becoming more more video focused, I suppose, increasingly. But it was predominantly a visual medium, which does suit artists. I can see why so many artists move to that as a as a medium to sort of show their work. And it's it is quite helpful. You know, most people you meet will have an Instagram account, yeah. and it's a very easy way for them to like very quickly get a sense of what your work's about um, just by looking it up on their phone. It's quite instantaneous in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. But then I think we've come to a point now where we forget that that's not the only social media site we have. That's true. I think a lot of people, a lot of people I've spoken to recently within the last week um, have like really kind of just really become very dissatisfied with the way that our career currently stands because, you know, people aren't seeing their work and stuff. And like the only thing I say to them is that like, Instagram is just one of many social media sites. It should only be kind of like one outlet for your main hub. Like your website should be your main hub. The, the website should be, as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, like the website, which should be a website in your shop together, that should be the place you want everybody to go to. Everything else outside of that is just drawing them into that. So it's kind of like Instagram, yeah, of course it's cool. Unless you're selling your work off Instagram, people should be directed to your website. If you don't have a website, then you need to get a website. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of thing. I feel like, like everything in life, you have to strategize. And I think social media is one of those things where we've forgotten about that we have to do that. Like you have to have, you have to know where you want people to go. And if, and if Instagram is your only point, then I think you have to think about that in terms of like where you can you direct people to that is going to be more beneficial for you for actual sales. Because as I say to everybody, like if your follow account does not match your bank account, then I think, you know, and you're not exactly spending your time wisely if making money is your priority. Yeah. So I've, I, I know this probably isn't the experience that everyone's had, but I've been over the past year, I actually haven't have, had a website. I've had, I have got a brand new baby website that yes. I still am doing some last minute tweaks to, but actually is live. Um, yes. And before that, for a while, I just had a technically website, but it was just an online portfolio. It had no sales facility built into it. But over the past year, I know it's not a ridiculous amount, but I sold a four and a small, no, four and two, four big, two small paintings just through people contacting me to make inquiries through Instagram. Like, not me, like, pushing sales, like, people approaching me to ask to buy the work um which was great and kind of surprising um and but I did think about this and I was like I'm asking the like you know some I'm asking a buyer to put a lot of faith in me for that you know it's not a very reliable seeming uh say you know sales platform um and you know it's it's quite clunky I mean I've had some I actually had someone who just was making an inquiry, but they're like, I'm not sure if you do sell your work. And, you know, I'm sorry for approaching you if not. And I'm like, this is not good. You know, I need to like, I need to amend how that's coming across. Yeah, um, absolutely. But the, the good thing is for me, like I, the time I have been putting into Instagram has really led, like, it's definitely worth me putting time into it for, for the results that I've received. But yeah, no, the website is definitely something that I'm working on as well. I just think it's really important nowadays to to remember that Instagram is not going to be around forever. And I think we've kind of forgotten that. And I and I feel like, I actually asked a very good artist friend of mine called uh, Laurie Bennett. She's one of the most cool people I've ever met. 
Um, I actually messaged her the other day and said, you know, what are you going to do when Instagram drops off? Because, you know, people have built, you know, livelihoods off these platforms, but they're not going to stick around forever. So you have to think about how you're going to future-proof your career and future-proof your audience. You know, there has to be other websites and other places that we can go where people are going to see every post you make. Um, you know, where we're not going to be having to decipher between great art and cat videos. You know, there has to be somewhere that we can kind of actually have a focus on art and kind of have things done the right way. You know, like, I don't know, there has to be. If not, I'm going to have to create it. No, <laughs> no there has to be something, you know, there has to be something out there, um, surely. But I don't know. It's just something I'm, I'm just, these are the things I think of. Uh, not that it actually bothers me in any way because I just do whatever I do, but it's kind of, these are things I think about in terms of artists. Like, why not mention that to somebody and be like, oh, by the way, are you thinking about that? Because it's an important thing, consideration to have. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess it's like, I guess people do think Instagram is quite, like, all powerful for, for artists, but you're probably right, it probably does have quite a finite timeline. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would like, I hope that um, this experience of having a physical show goes really well. Yeah. Or at least, you know, well enough that I can do it again, because I think it would be really, like, I think just for like mapping out my calendar in future, it's something that I'd really like to have as like a regular fixture to my year and something to kind of plan for. Um, you know, so I, I would really like to keep a good degree of like the actual like in-person element as a way of you know like promoting my work and like have that as a big strand um the website's getting developed i do want to start doing a sort of probably uh once every other month uh newsletter and i've been building up a bit of like a like client and inquiries mailing list um but yes yeah no instagram has been probably like has been disproportionate right now as for, for how people find me and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, and it seems actually like you're probably one of the very few artists where it's actually worked out very well for, um, which is good to hear, to be very honest. I, I, I can see, like, I mean, I don't think I would bother with it if it hadn't been. Yeah. Um, I There's a lot about it that I really dislike. So if I wasn't getting the kind of results I've been getting, I just don't, I don't think I would keep using it. Um, but it has, it has been helpful to me. Um, and I mean, there are some, there are pros and cons to this, but I think there were good things about it seeming quite informal. Um, yeah. One of like, one of a really interesting experience that I had as an artist, it was summer of last year. Um, someone, someone commented on one of my pictures and wrote, um, you're something along the lines of you're a really skilled painter I really like your work but I wish there were more people who looked like me in your output um and she was a she was a a woman of color and at the time my you know my my body of work was very Caucasian um and it it was again you know I I was using like minimal shoots there really weren't many people in it it was just one person was used repeatedly um, but I thought it was a really valid point and I actually felt I thought it was a really good thing that this person felt comfortable enough to, to yeah. make that point of criticism to me and I do think the fact that Instagram feels quite informal maybe facilitated that so that, that was something that I do quite like about the platform I don't think you would email an artist off a website <laughs> to write something. 
<laughs> that's true. That's a very good point. You're right, actually, the approach. And maybe that's why, maybe that's the thing though. Maybe people need to just remember that they actually can be a bit more informal on Instagram as opposed to trying to be so formal and so mm. kind of polite all the time. Because at the end of the day, like, actually I said that that's, because, you know, like people treat it as like a proper business tool and it's not necessarily, it's a social media site. It's, your website should be business. That doesn't mean that everything else needs to be also. So that's actually a really good point, actually. That's a very good point. Just to finish with how that story turned out, um, we actually then got chatting um, and I actually uh, met her in London in the uh, uh, swimming pool at Hampstead Heath and got a series of photographs with her that I've I've now painted about three of them and I think I want to do either one or two more and then I'm gonna kind of share them with her and then I'll be sort of sharing them online but that's been a bit of a back burner like that's so cool though project that I've just kind of but like how interesting is that because that means like your work has changed and evolved in ways you didn't even expect you know through other people's opinions of your work which is why it's so important to share your work that's so interesting though and it's actually cool that you followed through with that as well it's not just a case of being like oh yeah cool thanks you actually actively was like, okay, this is interesting. Actually, I kind of agree. Like, it's nice. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, I fully agreed with what you're saying. And it, it was something I'd been thinking about um, beforehand. And I was like, I should address this at some point. Um, and then, you know, I, I kind of wrote all that to her and, you know, explained why it was so limited in scope at the time. And then just I kind of tacked on, like, um, you know, I wasn't really sure how I sort of meant for it to be taken. I, I think I wrote it in a way that it could come across as a joke if she wasn't sure. But I was like, if you ever feel like modelling, let me know. And then she was just very willing to do it. So yeah, that all turned out quite well. Yeah, it was. It was also the first time painting someone that I didn't know. Um, and I think I felt I felt a lot more pressure doing that. That I it's probably why it's taken me so long to make these paintings. I felt very nervous about doing it, but it was again. It's I do think it's good to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone as a painter. So yeah, that was one at least one positive experience that came from that platform. So would you ever do commissions then? I so I've done two commissions in the past year. Um, one of them was someone that I actually did know not well but like an an old friend from university and um I when I was like still building my skills as an artist like a lot of artists do I would take on a lot of like um you know pet painting commissions a couple of like family portraits but it was very different to what I considered like my art like my practice as an artist um the person who got in touch with me I assume that's what she wants. She's like, no, no, I love your water work. Like, can can I commission you for something like that? So I actually, um, she came to Reading. It was like summertime last year. We got some shots in the river and I painted one of those up for her and it's now on, in her living room. And that was a commission. Wow. But it, there was some kind of like personal connection uh, with her. And I think it was, yeah, I think it's very important, like, that's probably a lot when I started thinking about how important it is to set your model at ease. Um, you know, I really, really thought about it because it was a, a client for a commission. But I think that actually allowed me to take better photographs for paintings in the future, like having that experience, you know, where you're like someone, you know, she wasn't an experience like Wild Swan. It was a very warm day, but like, you know, she was like getting out in water. It's a public place. And it, but it was very yeah. important to make someone feel comfortable in that slightly strange environment. But like, yeah, also, yeah, it adds kind of just 
a new skill set or kind of like a new awareness of how to actually create images in different environments. Because if you're going to like the same swimming pool, that's quite a closed off environment. Like every time you're not going to understand how <clears throat> the environment itself would impact the work. So I think that's really cool, actually. That's really, really interesting. And that's cool. Like, like you learned something from that experience as well. Yeah. And but just to just answer your thing, my my second commission was an even closer connection to that. It was um a, like quite a good friend who is a recurrent model in a lot of my newer pieces. Oh, wow. Just saying, um, she's like, look, I love them. I really, really like one. Um, so yeah, I uh, I got one together for her. But I'm I'm quite inexperienced doing commission work for complete strangers. It's something that's quite new to me that I would like to develop more in the future. Yeah, I can imagine that that being something that people would be interested in, actually, to be honest. I think I could have said that. I could very much say that. Yeah. Because your work is very, like, unique and different and interesting. And it's not, as we've discussed previously, it's not about any certain kind of, certain type of people or certain kind of type of bodies. It's It can be anybody and everyone. I think it's very inclusive. And I think that actually says a lot for, like, people wanting to have that commissioned. You know, people will feel included looking at your work, and I think that's kind of a cool thing. So I definitely think commissions and stuff like that is definitely something that would probably happen more for you in the future. Like, for sure. That's really, yeah, that's really what I'm... I'm actually so pleased you said that, because I, I do... I think there's something quite, like, universal about being in water, and I, hmm. I do want it to feel like it has, like, an intentionally wide reach. Um, I mean, I... She was like, no, she meant first night. No, um, I worked with the gallery for a little while, and um, you know, she came round uh, to my flat to sort of see some of some of the paintings, and you know, she had some very insightful comments to me. But one of the comments that she said was, she was like, "Oh, it's so great that you have um, you have a young and attractive bunch of friends who can pose for these and I just inwardly I was like oh this is a problem like this is not the point um yeah. and in, and she actually hasn't sold any of my paintings as well so I think maybe those two things track um but yeah I, I don't want it to feel like it's I'm really glad that that was a point that you recognized about the work that's actually quite fascinating because it's like it gives you also as an artist kind of more um, kind of thoughts in terms of like where you can progress your work and okay what else do you want to look at and who do you want to look at and kind of you know I don't know there's a there's a nice idea of it, it being very kind of the figures are very anonymous and also water is like a really interesting liminal space like you can be in water and like you know be very removed from the world so I think you know we all kind of like the idea of escapism and there's a bit of an element of that in your work so I think that's probably why it's so fascinating like to me when I saw your work I was like yeah it's like liminal space is kind of what I get from it personally so it's kind of interesting that's a really nice takeaway I'm, I'm quite pleased with that as a as a viewer response perfect right so I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed which is a really really cool artist called Danny Kidwell I don't know if these episodes are going to go in this order because there was something else I did into before like just before this but um, I'm doing that second part of that some other time so I don't know I've got about three different interviews in different stages of of completion so let's just get roll with this so the last person interviewed was an artist called Danny Kidwell incredible illustrator and his question for you is do you think that there'll be a time where every image that can be made will be made no um I like it. I mean just plausibly that seems impossible like life's creating new things all the time every potential piece of art in its life in some way I think so yeah that just seems logically 
not right. Um, as to the idea that like everything, as so much stuff is created, everything is like referencing back to something else or, you know, things become similar. I don't know if that's even necessarily a bad thing. You know, like art is informed by other pieces of art. So I, yeah. I yeah, no, I don't think that'd be a problem. I mean, I guess moving, I kind of, Moving on from that question, is like, is being original important to you? I, I think you need elements of your work that are original. Um, but I think, you know, I think humans are probably inherently interested in certain stories and they, they, they're going to crop up all the time. And I, I think you know, revisiting a theme um, that other people have examined. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all. That's a very good response, actually, I think. And actually, do you have a question for the next artist I interview? Okay, oh, I definitely should have prepared this. Um, next artist that you interview. Um, how important do you think uh, limits or constraints are to your output? And are they a benefit or a hindrance? That's a really uh, interesting question. In different ways, but I think you'll get some interesting, yeah, interesting answers with that. I feel like at one point I should just literally just <clears throat> take everybody's questions and have that as the interview notes. <laughs> at some point, I think I'll just uh, benefit. I had, a quick, I had a quick question for you, actually. Yeah, of course. You, um, we were talking about uh, curation and um, the importance of doing, you know, things that deviate from just like the white wall gallery space. Yes. Have you come across any, like, you know, any exhibitions that you found particularly different or interesting? See, no, I haven't. But I feel like if I was to ever create an exhibition, I'd want to do things differently because I think, for instance, like, I think black walls suit art much better than white walls because in terms of colour, like, It'll make, black will make the colours pop more for instance like I feel like white is I don't know there's something about white walls I'm not a big fan of necessarily it's like online I don't know like I, at the minute no the only person I can think of that comes to mind is there is an artist called Roberto Ferri um really really great yeah. painter yeah it's like I don't yeah. have you ever seen have you ever seen any of his exhibitions no no so he, he I've is, seen he has one painting up in meme in Barcelona that I've seen in person but never just him oh because like there's so I think one of his latest exhibitions is exhibiting his work in like a cathedral, and it's you know like obviously it suits his work perfectly, and it's just yeah. like I feel like the environment in which your work is seen is just as important as the work itself. Like there's a lot of really cool photographers that I've spoken to, and I've said it would be great if it was like a, a completely black room with like a fog machine that reflects the kind of you know darkness of your work. Like what was if the environment yeah. around you reflected the work? For instance, if you had work that was displayed. I'm sorry, how would I do that? Like, I'd, I'd have something where you have, like, do you know, like, how when you're in a, uh, the swimming baths or even just, like, in rivers and when light hits the water, it makes these really cool reflections. Oh, I do. Like, I look, of, of course you would. You paint them, of course you would. I would love for, like, to exhibit your work in a space where that is projected onto the walls around your work, mm -hmm. something like that. Because mm -hmm. yeah. the one thing I'm thinking of at the minute is, like, how can we turn art into an experience as opposed to just going to an, to look at art? Uh, because I think art is visceral. It should kind of have all the senses. And I think, I don't know, for me, like if I was to ever have an exhibition or to like to create an exhibition, I'd be thinking about what else can we add to the art that makes it an experience, not just a viewing of art. And I think that's really important. Because um, I said to some photographers ages ago, I said, what would happen if you recreate, if everybody, if we had a big mansion 
and everybody had a room and you recreated your photograph in the room. So rather than it be an image of the wall, it would actually literally be the set as if it was a movie set for you to walk through. Like that would be so interesting. Don't know how the hell that would ever happen, but it'd be so interesting. So for me, I think it's more about the experience of the art. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's definitely an appetite for things like that at the moment. I mean, look at all these, you know, you're getting like the Van Gogh immersive experience. People are interested in that at the moment. Yeah, because there's, there's another artist, a street artist called um, Rowan, who um, I don't know if it was, I don't know if he hired it or like there is a, a mansion that he got permission to create work in and he literally just created images on every single wall. So you walk through the whole mansion, it's, it's literally a whole gallery show. But it's oh, like this abandoned, this kind of abandoned mansion. I'll send it to you later. It's like an abandoned mansion and you walk through it and it's literally just like room to room is a different image. And it's like, it's interesting to think about how the environment and the work can sit alongside each other. So I think, yeah. I don't know, like showing art being an experience as opposed to just, oh, I go to a, a, a white wall space and look at art and walk past it. You know, it's like, how are you going to capture the viewer's attention and actually keep them immersed in the environment? Yes. That's my opinion. That's my opinion of, of creating. That's what I think creation is something I would love to do in the future. Yeah. If, it ever, if it ever happens, if it doesn't, that's also cool. But like, I'm very conscious that everything I do is digital, which is great, but digital is okay. You know, it's not real life. I think we forget that. So I don't know. Something I'm very much interested in. I, think I have a lot of ideas that I think would be really cool, but would be very expensive. So <laughs> we'll have yeah. to see what happens. I, I have this really wacky idea um, that I'd love to like, you know, set all my set all my art up in a room and then just have like a very I was like, it needs it would need to be practical, but have like a very, very shallow, just like splash pool for the floor. So oh like my goodness, that'd be absolutely incredible. That would be incredible. That'd be such a good idea. Like I, I, I think how that'd be such an incredible idea. Like that'd be so cool. Or just like, how about if you went into like this environment and it was like outside? Actually, so the interesting thing is, there's like a minute, but I read this book once, um, and it's really, really it's something that's always stuck with me, which is weird. Um, it's a book called Night Film, I believe it was called, and it's and in it there's a there's a chapter in it where the main protagonist, who's like a detective, goes to an old movie set to find somebody and he and it describes him walking through all the sets that are abandoned but like how he opens the door and it's one environment and he closes it and he opens another door it's a different environment and I kind of thought how cool would that be in real life like if you went into a building but you put you so we walk into a building but it's almost like it's an outdoor scene but it's not inside a building I think the idea yeah. of space the idea of space and the idea of kind of like that I'm a huge so in me in my own kind of life and work I'm always interested in the idea of freedom and constraint and I feel like geographical freedom and geographical constraint and kind of the idea of like buildings and like what we contain within a building. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about stuff like that, but there could be a lot of things, interesting things done with art, I think, um, in terms of experiences as opposed to just images on a wall, in my opinion. That was like a whole ramble. Right. So I only have about six more questions for you. So it shouldn't be too long. Um, you can get out of this torture and get back on with your life, which would be perfect. Um, <laughs> so, so what does that mean to be successful? Wait, let me say that again. What does it mean to be a successful artist and how do you measure the success of your own work? It's so easy to get wrapped up in just attaching like financial value to it. And on a really present level, you, you do need to do that to some extent. I, I think um, probably almost, I hate using the word KPI, but like a, a thing that's important for me is just feeling like I could make a sustainable living from it. I don't think it needs to be, get beyond that in terms of finances but like that is, that is a you know that 
like would be a reasonable achievement so that I think that just practically is really really important I I'm I'm really pleased with kind of what we mentioned earlier the fact that you know people with certain like um certain topics have felt like they can actually approach me with actually quite critical things about the work I like I want to continue to facilitate that kind of almost like dialogue um element to it and you know making it feel like you know it, it is approachable um that's something that I'm quite pleased with and I I don't really know how but I want to continue to convey that um and I mean, if I just feel, if I feel like I'm making people have emotional connections to the work, that's, that's really, really great for me. Um, down the line, and this is getting very kind of, you know, aspirational, but like, I would, I would love to do something uh, where, you know, that has a, a benefit or some way of helping out um, younger emerging artists, because, you know, it is, it is hard like and a lot of it has yeah. been quite hard for me. I, you know I'm not financially but I have had like a good amount of um I guess just like emotional support doing this um I'm I'm in like a very like well-established relationship so that's been helpful and I've you know I've got like a good group of friends around who've been really supportive of it as well but it's you know like if you're not getting that from anywhere it, it, it must be incredibly daunting um you know like I think people do need a degree of support um whatever your personality type is doing something like that so I'd love to help you know like have some kind of part in that maybe when I'm a little bit more established and I've always said if I ever was able to make more than 40,000 pounds selling art in one year I'd love to set up a really small fund for emerging artists and use some of the money to do that so that would be uh, great yeah that'd be, I was just about to say to you in what ways do you think you would like to help emerging artists because you know yes you're you know at the minute you are an emerging artist you know currently so um well I don't know you're weird you're, you kind of sit on this weird cusp of like because you're doing it full time so are you really emerging but then also you are quite new so it's kind of like you're in this weird zone between being like a quote-unquote established artist and being a beginner or being like someone who's like trying to find uh, like an amateur beginner if you want to use those terms like they're trying to find their footing so I think you're actually you're in a really interesting position actually um but I also think the more I think about artists, I think the traditional view of beginner professional doesn't really exist anymore. We don't really have that model anymore because anyone could be anything at any time. So I don't know, but like, in what ways would you want to support? Is it financial support or is it like, you know, group shows or kind of like, or are you not sure at this point? I think more opportunities to show the work would be great. And so I'm, I'm really excited to do the other art fair. You know, I'm, I'm really mm. looking forward to it. But it's incredibly expensive to take part in that. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, they charge viewers uh, to attend. And then they also take a commission on any sales. And, you know, I, I know it's expensive, you know, renting a venue in central London. I'm not naive about that. But it's it is probably on the verge of starting to feel slightly exploitative. You know, I know people want to be paid for their time, but I'm like, you're, you must be raking in some profits there. Like some oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like... And it would be, you know, like I'm, I'm not against, um, you know, like I want to treat it like a business and you can invest in a business. I'm not against 
the concept of like paying um you know for exposure but like I think things being fairer for artists would be would be better um this also this isn't something that I've had personal experience with but I was actually um okay two things one thing that I've actually just started taking part in is um it, there's a it's run through Parker Harris Arts Organisation um but I got accepted onto this mentoring scheme that just runs like a series of sessions throughout the year about um uh like the business and legal side of art that you might not um have much access to and I've had my I had my first session literally yesterday and it was a um a lawyer who specialises in arts copyright um, coming in oh, wow. to talk about arts copyright and uh, artist contracts specifically. And that was incredibly useful. So I think support things like that are great for artists. Mm. Um, but one of the things that he actually got on to talking about was about um, when you apply for grant funding from, um, you know, like a uh, like Arts Council England or like big awarding bodies, often um, what you're actually expected to do and like the hours that you are expected to put into um, getting that funding actually drop you below minimum wage. And there, has, there wow. hasn't really been a consideration of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, I think, I don't think it has to be easy. I actually think the fact that it is so hard is there's probably some good things about that. The fact that you must, you need to really want to do it to be able to do it. Um, but there are definitely things in the landscape that could be a little bit fairer, I think, personally. Yeah, that's, they're actually really good kind of ideas and options. Because I think the problem with wanting to be an artist is that, like, you can create as much as you want, but it's not just about creating work. It's about everything else that comes with that, especially, as we've said previously, on the business side, and particularly the legal side, which is not something I've actually really ever thought about, like the legalities of being an artist. Because just like you, you kind of think, well, everything I'm creating is mine, but it's like, but if you're putting on social media, is it still really yours, for instance? You know, like there's there's that whole kind of argument of like, well, who's who has a copyright to your work if you're putting it on Instagram? Like if you didn't read the terms and conditions, because who did? Um, you know, it's kind of like, it, that's a really good thing to think about. And that's definitely the kind of information that we don't see that often and we don't share that often. And I feel like that's what I'm going to look up later. Because <laughs> um, I'm always interested in looking at like different resources I can find for artists that, will, that are going to help them. So that's a really interesting consideration. I'm just tying that down like legal. Um, because that's an interesting consideration. But yeah. All right. Anyways, moving on from what I'm going to do <laughs> with my time. Um, so what makes a good piece of art? There's, so this is actually, this is a double barrel question. So what makes a good piece of art? And the last and second question in a second, actually. Okay, what makes a good piece of art? Um, I, not everyone will agree with me, but I, I think a degree of technical competence, like, is is really important. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying I don't appreciate abstract art. Some of abstract pieces I love, but like seeing a mastery of the materials, I do think I find that really important. Um, but then on the I guess kind of separate, but also maybe marriage that is like an emotional response from the viewer, um, which again is going to really vary depending on who's looking at it. But I, I think just if you're managing to make your viewer feel something, that's yeah, that's important. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a great question to ask because you know, 
as somebody who creates art, it's like, how do you, like, how do you define a threshold for the thing you're creating and kind of like what you actually enjoy looking at? Because, you know, as an artist, you look at the art, but you still have to decide whether it's good or not. So yeah, that's a cool answer. And the second part of that question is, um, what was the last image or piece of media that you saw that captivated you and why? Oh, um, I think the very, okay, I'll, I'll talk about, I've mentioned this a few times, so I'll blitz over this one, but the Mitch Griffiths exhibition I went to was incredible. Um, there's just, yeah, just for that, how much gets put into them. And I also think that the, the subjects that he deals with are really, like, really interestingly dealt with. Um, he's talking a lot about like, some of his pieces are almost kind of satirical about internet culture. Um, and it's quite easy to almost, like there's like a critical element to it, but also, you know, his viewers are quite, um, they seem quite like fragile and like, sometimes you almost feel like you almost want to like protect them in a weird way. So I thought I found that really, really interesting. And you started, I mean, I found myself, um, the, this particular artist uses a range of different models and stylizes them in a certain way. So none of them are named, but they're almost established as like separate characters. Okay. And you almost start building stories around them. And I did it really unintentionally. I was like, why is this one being put like this? Like what's happened between you? Yeah, and yeah, so that I found really, really interesting. But I've mentioned him a few times now. So I'm going to go back to one before that. Um, I um, went to the Paula Rego house in um, Portugal a little while ago. I had to be out there for something. And I, I was a little bit familiar with her work, but not, not very well. And I found it amazing. She has a series of um, etchings called the Pendle Witch series. And one of them I just thought was a really, really, really quite uplifting. It has this female kind of character centralised in it and then this really big build-up of, like, objects um, and almost kind of like a narrative around it. And I don't know, it, for me, I found it incredibly hopeful and really lovely. Um, and I really like that. Um, but then, because it's Paul Arrego, the next room that you moved into from that was Prince from another series of etchings, which was the female genital mutilation series. So that oh. took a very dark turn after that, yeah. but it, it definitely got an emotional response and just moving, yeah. it was very jarring. Um, yeah. And yeah, I found the whole kind of change of that really interesting. So I actually, I guess a question to ask you from that would be like, do you think there are any themes that art can't explore? Oh, um, I'd like to think no. Um, you know, I, I do like work that gets taken to some interesting and sometimes dark and strange places. And you know, sometimes I feel like my, my work should be more explicit about exploring a certain certain theme. But for me, this is just like what feels natural. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I do like artists who explore quite unusual things I think it's just, it's just tricky with with artists having to balance you know running running themselves like a business I do think that creates constraints in what you can explore because the market has demands for certain things and not 
not other things. That's I think true. perhaps when you get to a, to like the level of, I guess, power that Paula Brego achieved during her career, you're quite free to look at what you would like to. That's very true. That's very true. And it, and it kind of relates onto the idea of like, do you think artistic freedom exists? So I, I, I've mentioned this before, but I do think that I'm incredibly lucky that thing I want to paint has a good degree of commercial viability because it would be horrendous if it didn't. And, you know, you would have to make some kind of compromises somewhere, yeah. somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is quite like a limited freedom. And I mean, I was I it was a conversation I had with someone else a while ago, but like I find it interesting that um, there's this interpretation that like the the artist is kind of like a critic of society or like removed from <laughs> things but like when you actually look back historically that's not been true at all like the artist was very much embedded in society like reflecting things that the society at the time to an extent wanted to see you know I mean a lot of like you know historically like artists were generally their big patrons were probably like royal families of countries like you yeah. can't be more embedded in society than that that's true. That's a really good consideration because there is definitely a bit of a like, you know, artists are like the lone wolves that are kind of, you know, sitting there ruminating about kind of like all the the tragedies that have befallen them and expressing that in their work. When yeah, you're right. Like people can just be creating stuff because that you know art is reactionary. You create it because you 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 think and feel certain things, and that doesn't have to always be necessarily dark. But actually, having said that, like, do you think there is a link between anguish and, and creation and creating art? Often the artists that I really like, there's some kind of deep-seated emotional pain that's going into it. Um, and it, you know, the work doesn't have to look like that, but just it's something that I've noticed when I've started actually delving into like artist biographies. And I mean, I had this, um, you know, something that I've mentioned very briefly uh, with you early on in this interview, and, but that, that does feed into my work a lot actually um and I mean one of one of the things that I'm really interested in with like putting bodies in water is um about kind of like uh, control and autonomy and the fact that like you know when someone goes underneath the water they're kind of setting this limit they're deciding how long they want to hold that lung full of air for um and you know it's, it's putting yourself in a like vulnerable uncomfortable position but you also have ultimate control over it and that I think really feeds back yeah. to my personal experience um so that's definitely shaped the art that I make and I mean I, I had this again this was an Instagram thing so I do have to give it a tiny bit of credit but I had this really I, I found this artist I feel like I shouldn't mention who this is but I I'm obsessed with her work it's incredible um and I just contacted her to tell her how much I loved it and she got back to me and she said um she's like oh, I'm so pleased you think that way. I really like your work too. I think we have quite similar thematic interests. And I don't know, I don't know. She looks a lot about like the role of women and like women in kind of spaces and things like that. And, and I just kind of said, I was like, what, um, you know, what inspired you to, to make this kind of work? And she told me that she experienced a really violent rape in her twenties and um, that she actually intended the work to be like completely against that, but it's actually fed into it in a weird way. And it's stayed with her throughout her entire professional career. And then she was like, she was like, I feel like 
it was very strange but she's like I feel like maybe you're exploring something similar and I was like whoa this is um this is interesting but yeah I mean yeah like it's interesting how people can read yeah very deeply into your work yeah that's that's, that's an interesting thing like that's it's kind of that's that's really fascinating though because obviously it's not something you you necessarily talk a lot about um you know obviously rightly so but I think it's that's fascinating though but it's also kind of it just shows you the power of art and the power of connection yeah I mean I was again you're right it's not something that's discussed at all and you know I don't think it needs to be all the time but that that's very strange kind of recognition of that was really yeah like interesting um so the last two questions so Firstly, what would your younger self think about your work? I, I think um, they'd be very happy with it, I think, actually, um, which is is nice. I, I think the fact that this water interest has been sustained is interesting and they'd like the new kind of places it's been taken to and the development of the, like, yeah, technical skill of painting water because it has taken some, some doing. Um, I actually had a really odd experience I saw someone that I knew in college that I hadn't seen for years randomly at Paddington Station and were kind of chatting and they were like they were like this is amazing this is exactly what you wanted and I was like oh I hadn't thought of that for some time so yeah that was kind of nice that's cool that's super interesting particularly people you don't really know that well have kind of thought that out for you that's really interesting actually yeah, it's, it's weird how other people can see what we want without us seeing what we want yeah um but it was good I just I hadn't actually connected it back to what I would have thought, thought about all this a few years ago and it was it was kind of nice to do so that's really cool that's amazing it's, it's come full circle which is nice so the last question is going to be what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work okay um I'm concluding a series of works uh from a photo series that I took in Croatia um I have probably the last few paintings to do from that I'm also working on a small series that we spoke about of the person who contacted me about uh, racial limitations in my work. So that's going to be another small series that's going to be concluded probably by autumn time. The new thing that's going to happen is um, probably what's going to happen when I get out to Canada, uh, because I'm going to be in this the space I'm going to be working in is right in a headland, right next to these very big kind of ocean waves coming in. So it's going to be a very different water-based environment that I'm really excited to get some shots in. So I'll have to see what that makes happen. Um, and to find out more about my work, um, Instagram, sorry, but I also have a brand new website, which is constanceregardso.com. That is absolutely perfect. Constance, thank you so much for being here today. I really, really, really appreciate it. That concludes the second and final part of my conversation with Constance Regazzo. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or please get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, Apple Music and YouTube. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Also, please check out theflyingfruitworld.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page where tiers start from £1. 
With one pound a month, you can get rewards such as early access to interviews, behind the scenes footage, weekly created YouTube videos, and the chance to ask interview questions on our next podcast. If monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal. The link to that should be in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Flying Fruit Bowl today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.